All right. Welcome to the David Meyer Show here on iHealth Radio. I am your host, Dr. David Meyer, sports performance physical therapist, sponsored by Hurricane H and iHealth Radio. You can see here on the background, we got the backdrop here. We are rocking. We are rolling. I am super excited. We are going to be live at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesdays and Thursdays today, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where... I'm going to bring on a lot of different guests in the sports industry, the orthopedics industry, the wellness industry, the mental performance industry, and I'm going to share with you a lot of details today about what my background is and give you an explanation as to why Hurricane has brought me on because we see big things, big things coming on iHealth Radio, bringing to you all a ton of value, informing you on very important topics related to your mental performance, your physical performance, whether you're an athlete, you're a developing professional that is looking to get into the field of healthcare or sports performance, or you're, you yourself, maybe you're a weekend warrior, you have a, a child that's an athlete, a family member that's an athlete, you're just trying to work on an injury you have going on, an illness. How do we use your mind and your body to overcome it? I actually wrote a book on the topic. I can show you a quick little copy. Name of the book is Injured to Elite, and it's a guide to empowering yourself to transform your life after injury. And I've been, I published the book back in October of 2020. And so let's go into a little bit of a background about myself, the book, the whole concept of mental performance as it pertains to rehabilitation. And so here we go. Official show number one, the David Meyer Injured to Elite show here on iHealth Radio. So my name is Dr. David Meyer, sports performance physical therapist, and I have a doctorate in physical therapy. I graduated in 2012 from NYU. And, you know, I have a saying, titles are overrated, but our story is highly, highly underrated. And so let's go into my story and my humble beginnings here in New York. I grew up actually in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, shout out to Sheepshead Bay, until I was five years old. Grew up with, uh, you know, very humble beginnings with my parents, modest people. I was an only child, am an only child. Grew up with a diehard sports fan father, unfortunately a Mets, Jets, Nets, Islanders fan. And both my parents actually worked for the government. And helped to provide with me a good, a good way of life moving out to Long Island where I grew up as a, an athlete playing hockey and baseball. And that's where it all started for me. So a little bit of a, a backstory with my father, who I really is a legend, my hero. My father passed away in 2006 uh, from lung cancer. And we're winding the clock back. So my father suffered from chronic kidney disease. So he had his first transplant at the age of 18 from his mother, my grandmother, Pearl Meyer, after being on dialysis from kidney failure. Now, this is back in you know, the 50s and the 60s. Medicine was still emerging and still is, of course. And as a young athlete himself, junior varsity basketball, all these things, his illness really affected his quality of life as a, as a youth athlete. And it made him feel really different than his classmates and his peers. And he actually wrote a college paper at Brooklyn College about the stigma associated with being ill around friends, family, and, and the people in your life. 
So it had a tremendous impact on him. And I think it actually connected him more to sports. So he was a diehard Met fan, had season tickets, was there in 1986 when the Mets won the World Series. I still actually, I have that ticket that he, he went to game seven. And so I grew up with this father that was a diehard sports fan. And he really impressed upon me his love for sports. And I developed it as a hockey and baseball player at the, you know, just the small height of five foot five. I, um, I quickly found my own actually on the ice and on the field on the ice. I, they always joked around. My favorite song was by Chumbawamba. I get knocked down, but I get up again. And so I would skate through their legs and skating around players, but I wasn't a big player. I was scrappy. And that's where it all started watching my father deal with his illness and go through dialysis, which for those that don't know, dialysis is really difficult for the body. You spend hours, several times a week where it cleans the blood, replaces the function of the kidney. And so his kidney failed again, when I was still going through my teenage years, or really at the beginning of my tween years at the age of 13, and he had to go back on dialysis. So his kidney lasted 27 years, medical miracle. Lived a great life, you know, lived, lived great up until that point and had a great career and ra raising me, finding my mother. My mother was his absolute rock, his anchor, took care of us and the family, helped get me to the games, all that good stuff. And dialysis really took a lot out of him and it also had an impact on me. I'll never forget pulling up in Mineola, Nassau County, for those that are in the, the local region, the tri-state area, when he was going for dialysis, I remember pulling up in the car with my mother and I didn't want to get out of the car and go into the center because I was scared of seeing people sick and my father sick. And this was the man that I'd have baseball catches with and was my inspiration, a very soft-spoken man, but um, also really insightful with the game and encouraging and just, it was really difficult seeing him not feel his best, although his tremendous optimism leaked over into my life. Even that at that young age, I was just you know, taking notes at that time informally, right? And so I watched him on that journey on dialysis and eventually he was on a kidney transplant list, a donor list. And I went and graduated from high school uh, playing a little baseball. I didn't play my senior year. I got caught up with my, at the time, my ex-girlfriend spending more time with her and going to her school actually and leaving the campus and I, I lost track a little bit with baseball there. And when I got to SUNY Albany studying psychology, I wanted to reconnect with baseball and getting into the back into sports. Because I always knew from that young age, you know, my dream to play at the highest levels and my favorite movie growing up was Rudy, something my father and I shared as a special thing, our favorite movie together. And I was playing club baseball in Albany, Division One. I, I would have loved to have played at their division one level. And I tried out a few times, didn't quite make it, had one good tryout, one good luck. And I played club. So we played Boston, you know, Boston university. We played against university of New Hampshire, Hofstra. And I started to get more involved with learning about the fields of wellness. Had my first volunteer experience with Jay Geiger, the SUNY Albany head athletic trainer. And Got to see the basketball team there, the Great Danes, their whole, uh, you know, their trajectory there as they were up and coming and seeing what it's like to be an athletic trainer working with high-level athletes, which was really interesting. Although Jay suggested if I was thinking of physical therapy, take a look at that. 
So my father, you know, back home, I'm now upstate New York after my first year at Nassau Community College, trans transferring to a four, four-year program, thinking about maybe becoming a, a personal trainer in the off-season, getting back into my own fitness and working out, which was always a love of mine when I picked up a, a barbell when I was 14, 15 years old and realized that I was stronger as a little guy. It was really something that I, I became quite attracted to. And... I decided that I wanted to really start to delve even deeper into figuring out what my career could look like in this world of sports performance. So I took a career test actually while in college. I'm jumping around a little bit, but, and that career test came back and said physical therapy might be an interesting career choice. And funny enough about it, I actually had a previous experience in physical therapy when I was just a few short years before that, actually, I mentioned my ex-girlfriend there. We were in Long Island on Northern Boulevard and we got rear-ended. And so my ex-girlfriend at the time, she had some back issues there and my back was a little bit sore. So her mother suggested, hey, why don't you go try physical therapy out? You don't know what'll show up later. You should try it. So being younger, I just took the advice and didn't really know what to expect. And that was my first introduction to physical therapy before even being in SUNY Albany. And there, I actually was just happy to be in a gym setting. I saw this equipment, they put a hot pack on me, they put this little electrical stimulation where it felt like a bunch of bugs running around my back. Didn't really know what to make of it, but I thought it was cool. Here's a gym, I like to work out. And I thought it was interesting actually, because I felt not really that connected to the therapist. I felt like I was pretty much just in there for a free-for-all. So funny enough how you later in your life come back to the decision of going into the field. So fast forwarding back with that pre previous experience I had, which I write into my book, Injured to Elite, about what that was like being a patient. I was taking that career test, see physical therapy come back. Now I'm Googling physical therapy, doctor of physical therapy. Ooh, that sounds prestigious for a not so great student. I should mention I was learning disabled. I had an IEP, an individualized ed education program. I was in resource room, didn't have a ton of confidence as a student. I actually sat on the desk in second grade and they told my mother that maybe I should be on some type of medication or something to help me kind of through that. So here I am, undergrad, father, big sports fan, suffering from his chronic issues, but still positive, getting all these different kind of pieces that are coming together as the perfect storm of, you know, the future me in my field. And so I start Googling physical therapists and what's coming up is interesting. Functional diagnoses, exercise, manual therapy. I'm like, that sounds interesting. But at the same time, I was still looking into becoming a physician. My uncle is an orthopedic surgeon. He convinced me like he could to not go into it. Did everything to tell me, don't go into medicine, David which as a side note, you got to take any advice from anybody with a grain of salt. And that's something I coach my clients on and my students that I mentor. So I'm trying to figure out pre-health sciences. Am I going to become a physician? Am I going to go into physical therapy? So is this natural trajectory? So there we are, my sophomore or my junior year now, I was actually a poli-sci major for a semester. That didn't last long. Happy, happily changed to psychology, business minor. And I volunteered at a physical therapy clinic after that athletic training experience. So here I am with a local physical therapy clinic working, walking in. And I should mention, I wasn't outgoing and um, a speaker like I am now, confident. 
I was shy, really shy. So I walk into this physical therapy clinic in Albany and it's called a fishbowl. So when you walk in, there's a glass window there and everybody can kind of, you can see all your patients. And all the physical therapists were busy writing their notes. And I just felt so awkward. Nobody really was taking me under their wing. Nobody was really talking to me. And so I was wondering like, all right, what do I do? Do I just sit down and wait for somebody to speak to me? Do I ask if I could observe them caring for their patients? And it wasn't great. It wasn't a great experience. I really felt like I, I wasn't warmly welcome there. And that was the start where I felt like, you know, one day I'm going to make sure to mentor students and give them a better experience. Really, even my first few times volunteering there, I felt literally so much tension inside of me. Like when you're a shy person going to hang out with a big group and you're literally dealing with that social anxiety, it was like pulling teeth for me. It was really difficult. I didn't know maybe I should start a conversation, but I was kind of getting weird looks, judgmental looks. Maybe it wasn't a great culture. I certainly won't say the name of the clinic, but anyway, nonetheless, I still went forward towards physical therapy or at the time I was pre-health. So I wasn't ruling out medicine. And as we went, so I actually was playing club baseball up there in Albany when I couldn't make the D1 team, like I said. And that was fun. Studying all these different classes were more related now to my field, biology, chemistry, physics, tougher, a learning disabled guy like myself, but I was making the best out of it, especially in the numbers side with physics and and not so much chem, but definitely physics. It was a struggle. And you'll hear more about that as I go into the story of how that came together. And I was having my Rudy moment, as I like to say, for those that don't know about the movie, Rudy, Notre Dame, uh, future Notre Dame football player. His dream was to play there. It was really probably my size. And he eventually played there. And so they show his process of applying to Notre Dame and all that. That's how I felt in Albany. I was working out like a, a madman. My family calls that my square days when I was as wide as I was tall. And, uh, but I really found an affinity and a love for the gym. And it was mentally my way of kind of persevering or feeling like I'm growing towards something, something I learned from my father, that spirit he had. I said, I need to do something too. He's, over, he's going to this dialysis that takes the blood out of him and dialysis. Dial dialyzes it and has it come, come through this entire filtration system. Like it's intense. It's your lifeline. And so that carried over to me in this whole sense of what is my form of that? What is my form of perseverance? And for me, it was always related to sports. That was the way I expressed myself kinesthetically through my body, through movement. And so here I am volunteering and playing baseball and taking these classes and getting big in the gym. I decided I was going to become a certified personal trainer through the American Council on Exercise through ACE. So I had some summer jobs. I was working at Dick's Sporting Goods and that was fun, but not as much fun as I thought I could have being a personal trainer. So I started working towards that. And towards graduation, as I was becoming a senior, my father got really sick, unfortunately, uh, actually the summer of 2006. So I'll never forget that summer. My father up until that point, he had a kidney trans, his second transplant. He had my sophomore year in Albany and the kidney was mildly rejected early on and a little bit more intensely rejected, had to take a lot of drugs called immunosuppressives to thwart off his immune response to it, to help save the kidney. 
And my mother and I always talk about this. It was his dream to have that transplant. He wasn't going to be stopped from having it. And he, and he had it. He, he accomplished it. But unfortunately, one of the side effects of these medications and these drugs is your immune response to fighting off the normal cancer cells that we sometimes find in our body. You can't fight it off as easily and it could spread. So that summer in 2006, I was playing actually summer ball at home in Long Island. And my father came to every game, strangely, every single game. And we went to a few baseball games at Chase Stadium still. The Mets, you watch them play. Actually see our last ticket we had together right here. And uh, I'll show for the people that are seeing this live stream, let's put a face to it. It's cracked, so I apologize for that. But here you can see a picture, my square days, of my father and I at our last Mets game. And that's the ticket, the last ticket we had together there. And you see a picture of me as a kid playing. And, and there's a picture of my mom and my father. My mother was my absolute rock for my father or my father's absolute rock, I should say. And so he's coming and he's watching me play all these games and everything. And I mean, you got to remember, it affects you in all different ways having chronic illness. So he had a hip replacement. He had a full rotator cuff tear. He, could, he was having a lot of trouble walking, but he still made it his duty to come to my games. And it meant a lot for me. He was my hero. I mean, my best friend. And so that summer, uh, we also, I would, you know, we also found out, unfortunately, and I kind of hesitate because we find out that he, he was kind of not feeling so great. And I was going into my senior year and later that fall semester, I finally go back up to Albany and we find out he was, he was pretty sick. At first we thought it was an infection, uh, cause he was, he was feeling under the weather and eventually he gets diagnosed with lung cancer, pretty aggressive form of it. And he never smoked a day in his life. This is not to be a sob story. This is going to come to be a very positive story. I promise. Um, and he, he got pretty sick pretty quickly while I was up in Albany. I'll never forget the call I got in around, I think it was thanks. It's around Thanksgiving, I think in 2006, I'm sorry, a few weeks before Thanksgiving, I should say, got the call um, that he wasn't doing so great. I should come home, that he has cancer. And I need I, that at some point I should come home. So my, my, my mother didn't want me to come home that night. I packed up, I was home that night, three hour drive. And it's crazy because just around that same time, the Mets and the Cardinals are playing in the National League Championship Series, bouncing around here. Of course, my father, big baseball fan, wouldn't miss a game up until even the end of his uh, the end of his life. So the Mets actually lose to the St. Louis Cardinals in 2006 to in the National League Championship Series. My father tells me after that, around the time he's super sick, the Mets aren't going to be the same for a while. I come home. He certainly, you know, his, he was in a bad state and I saw him struggle and he lost his battle. Uh, he really did fight hard. I couldn't believe how hard he fought and he passed away on Thanksgiving in 2006. As an only child, I was huddled up there at Columbia Presbyterian with my cousins and my family, my mother. And I vowed to them. I said, I'm going to do whatever I can 
to make them proud, to make my father proud, to carry on his legacy, what I learned from him mentally. And I was a psychology major, so I knew that there was something out there for me. I was going to somehow get into the sports world, the baseball world, the Mets being the dream. And I somehow returned to Albany after he passed away. I finished the semester out. I graduate on time. And I had some grades. And I remember I was pre-med then. I had some grades I wanted to fix up. So after I graduated, 2007 now, financial crisis among us. And it all collapses. I didn't know what to do to earn an income. I'm back home with mom. And mom and I are having tough situations about finances and about how we're going to take care of that and how I'm going to even have a car. And we figure it out, though. I decide that I was going to go back to Nassau Community College. So I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, business minor here, 2007. And I say, you know, I think I'm going to go back to Nassau Community College and retake physics because I wasn't going to let anything get in my way of, of getting into a professional health-related field or academic program at this time. Even though I wasn't positive yet, it was slowly becoming physical therapy, especially after I lost my father. I really felt like my way of getting into sports medicine would be physical therapy. I should mention organic chemistry kicked me in the butt. And that was the, that was the kicker. Thank God, really. And I decided physical therapy was it. I was going to really clean up my academic record, make it as good as possible. And the nice kicker here, I was going to play junior college, official college baseball. That was really important to me. Not a lot of people get to play in high school, let alone college professionally. I mean, that's a minuscule amount, right? The big leagues, even more minuscule. So we'll see the story come full circle. And you'll learn how I had my version of even the professional world, the major league world. So here we are, 2007, I'm retaking physics, and I walked on to the junior college baseball team at Nassau Community College. And JUCO baseball and sports is actually pretty competitive because a lot of them are transfer, they transfer to a bigger school, Division I school eventually. I know we have a wide audience, not everybody's sports lovers, but this is going to apply to everybody and any, anything related to personal development, really. So I get to live out my dream of playing college ball. I didn't get a ton of at-bats, but I had a game-winning ball, game-winning run. I worked really hard. I'll never forget the respect I got from some of the, the players. And one of the catchers, he came up to me once. He's like, I respect you, Meyer. What he meant was the 21-year-old who has a degree already going back to junior college to still live out his dream of playing juco and it really, it was seen by them. And so there I was playing, finally living out the college experience. I felt like it was my connection to my father still to stay around the game and did well in physics. At least got a, I think it was a B or a B plus at least. So I, it was better than the C I had. C's are not degrees when it comes to pre-med. And I applied to NYU, my 2008 got a job as an aide, was working out like a madman, benching 335 pounds for two reps, squatting 385, deadlifting 405 pounds for a five foot five guy. That's not bad. And I was just working as an aide, physical therapy aide, uh, orthopedic associates of Manhasset, Nassau County, shout out to them. And I finally get the letter from New York university. Remember a few years before that, losing my father, didn't even know if I'd be able to graduate on time. I find out 
that I was accepted into the NYU Doctor of Physical Therapy program. This was really a Rudy moment for me. It was a magical moment. I felt like I knew now I had that. And I, I you're going to hear me talk a lot on this show about belief. And I should have mentioned this earlier on the, on the radio. I think I mentioned it on the, the live stream, but I'm going to be going live on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Tuesdays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on iHealth Radio. So on the app, on the Facebook live stream, all those things. If you're listening, you know where to find us. So the David Meyer Injured to Elite show is going to be on there. I'm going to be bringing on people in my network and also myself doing just some solo episodes where we talk about different topics related to mental performance, physical performance, rehabilitation, getting through injury, building the career you want, the life you want, all those great things all related to my profession. So getting back to the story, here we are. I get accepted to NYU's Doctor of Physical Therapy program in 2008, and I felt like I was off to the races. And I really felt like I can believe that it's possible. You know, the New York Mets, they're saying is always believe, which funny enough is, is becoming quickly more and more my motto every single day. And I start the program out and that was the toughest semester of my life. The first semester, the, uh, the summer of 2009, they weed people out in the doctoral program, usually in the healthcare related field, grad program, took a gross anatomy and cadaver lab and histology study of cells. And it was crazy difficult. I studied harder than ever before because really undergrad studying is interesting. If you're interested in the class, sometimes you can just kind of go by the lectures. Sometimes you have to do more work. For me, I needed to study hard. And I'll never forget day one, NYU DPT, I meet Sharif Taba, who owns a really successful physical therapy performance recovery center down in Florida, shout out to Sharif, called Athletics Rehab and Recovery. He works with all kinds of NFL ball players, Alvin Kamara. And on our first day, Sharif and I, we graduated together. So Sharif and I were going to Dunkin' Donuts for iced coffee. If you're in a physical therapy program or a pharmacy program or physician's assistant, nursing, medical school, you drink a lot of coffee. Sorry if I missed any kind of programs out there, but coffee becomes your best friend. So Sharif and I were getting our Dunkin' Donuts coffee and Sharif and I quickly, we introduced ourselves and it's funny, we had our little meathead moment. Remember, I was big into the gym then and we were the two coined meatheads of the, of the physical therapy program. The two that got involved, obviously, because their their love for physical fitness and sports and Sharif goes, yeah, I want to work in football. I'm like, oh, I want to work in baseball. And so quickly, it's funny, as you'll learn how we both lived that out and we had our intention and intention is so important. So I'm here at NYU starting the program out and I'll never forget running into the hallway with one of my, my professors, Kevin Weaver, who was a real strong mentor of mine. And I asked him, I said, Professor Weaver, what can I do to work in sports? Now, back in 2009, there weren't a ton of physical therapists yet that were working at that level in professional sports. Because as you'll learn from me, more recently, the, the sports and performance world has gone through a renaissance of recent times over the last decade. And so in 2009, it was just growing. So he said, you know, if you want to work there, maybe get to know the agents of the athletes, that can help. 
And by no fault of his, this was the advice, the best advice he can give me. And I appreciated it. I took anything I can get. And so I went through my NYU DPT program, really learning a lot about a lot of things, things like my father went through with kidney disease and wound care, which now coming back to some things my mother went through recently. It's funny how things all come full circle because what you might not know is physical therapists are trained to be generalists in all different forms, really to be first, not primary care providers like your primary care physician would be of doing blood work, things like that. But in the sense of we can help with all kinds of medical conditions in terms of function. Our big thing is we help people live their lives with more quality, improving function, which can mean a lot of things, of course. And, but at the same time, as I was finding myself in these classes, I was wondering, well, when are the sports classes coming? So I sought out some really good experiences related to orthopedics and sports medicine. Columbia was one of them, had a great program. And I had the intention, and you'll learn from me, belief, intention, so important. No matter what it is you're looking to do, having intention is so important. He or she who aims nowhere goes nowhere. So while I was a student, I had this one thing that really stood out to me. I always made sure to keep my story alive and have intention. Let the story of my father and my experience as an athlete not go to the wayside and not get distracted by being in this classroom and see of other students that were there. And at times I got distracted. We celebrated when we had our tests, rightfully so, in Manhattan, right? But I still remembered, I still remembered my story and what I wanted to do with my life and work in professional sports at one point. So eventually I graduate 2012 with my doctorate in physical therapy from NYU. I was super pumped, finally going to make some money. And I got my first job in Westchester working for a clinic called pro sports physical therapy. And I talk when I mentor students, I talk about find the heavy hitters of the field. You really want to identify who are the people out there that are going to connect you through those degrees of separation to where you eventually want to be? And so for me, Tim Tyler was a big person in the field, in the sports world, the American Sports Physical Therapy Section, the APTA, shout out to them. And he connected to me to a lot of these heavy hitters, some being um, Mike Reinald, Sue Falzone, who else? Um, a lot of really important people in the field. And funny enough, so I was working for Tim and I got my reps in. I think it's really important early in your career to get reps in before you get the dream job. So I was getting my repetitions in, working with athletes, high school level, college level. And I had my first professional athlete I worked with. It went terribly. He unfortunately, he was a pitcher for the Reds and he tore his ligament in his elbow right here called your UCL. And he had Tommy John surgery. Tommy John was the name of the first pitcher to have the surgery to replace a ligament or reconstruct the ligament in, in your inner elbow. Very common for pitchers to have this damage. And the rehab didn't go great for him. The rehab went well, but then he retore his ligament. And so I knew I needed to learn more. I needed to identify where should I go to really equip myself with the knowledge, the specialized knowledge. Because remember, PT school was very general. And hopefully these things can carry over to everybody listening in your own world, in your own industry, because I don't just work with people in the sports world. I, I like to work with people with any kind of ambitious dream in whatever discipline that requires high mental performance. So I was at a seminar in Las Vegas in 2012 right now, 
that I was fortunate enough to go with my boss and some of the staff there because he had a lot of connections and he would speak there, Tim Tyler. And I was introduced to Mike Reinold. Mike Reinold is a heavy hitter in the sports physical therapy world, worked for the Red Sox. And I was having a conversation and I asked him simply, I said, Mike, you know, my dream is to work for the Mets, of course. I'm thinking about doing a sports residency program, which wasn't that common yet to be done. And Mike goes and says, well, Dave, if you want to work for the Mets, then you should be going to the hospital for special surgery and doing their sports residency program. Very eloquently, very simply, why aren't you doing this, Dave? And I thought about it. I was like, yeah, Mike, you're right. Totally. And I really had a lot of respect for Mike. It's like, imagine if you met somebody you wanted to model your career after, and they're telling you, you should go do this. You're going to take that very seriously. And I did. And so I applied to the residency. They would accept one resident every year. So as a sports resident in physical therapy, you get more of the on-field component because as physical therapists and not as athletic trainers, we don't get as much sports-related experience. We might get it in one internship or clinical affiliation, as we call it, but we don't get that at the masses like athletic training students get. So the sports residency allows you to be immersed on the field, the emergency management of injuries, excuse me, on the field, and also the side of surgery, being in the operating room and being alongside the physicians that are performing ACL reconstructions, rotator cuff repairs, all these things that you rehab in the clinic, but you don't necessarily get to see in the operating room. And so I applied. And HSS, it's they, their tagline is where the world gets back into the game, I think. So people come from Dubai there to have surgery. It's unbelievable. And they're world-renowned. They have some of the best surgeons, Dr. David Alchek, Dr. Brian Kelly, one of the best hip surgeons out there. Anyway, if you're in the tri-state area, you've probably heard of HSS. So I apply. And guess what? I hear back. I get an interview. And on the interview, now I didn't, I didn't tell my boss, which is kind of an interesting topic, who actually I knew knew a lot of people, but I still didn't tell him. I didn't know how, he was intimidating. Tim is an intimidating guy. He'll, he'll hear us on iHealth Radio one of these days. And uh, he's, he's a wealth of knowledge, done a lot of great research, but I was a little intimidated. And so I go on the interview, HSS. I call them the HSS firing squad on the interview. All these senior therapists and clinicians that have all these big, accolades in their career. And so I get asked a bunch of questions, one being, what do you want to do? What's, what's your career trajectory? And I was straight and honest with them. I said, you know, my goal, my dream, or I call my big thing, Jay Papasan wrote a book with another author called Your Big Thing. I take that to heart. For me, it was I want to be in the dugout next year. And for the non-baseball people out there, that means I want to be on the sidelines. I want to be in the game. I want to be in baseball. And they gave me a look. They're like looking at me for live stream people watching. You know, they're kind of looking at me like, hmm, okay. And they're, they're vetting me. They're only choosing one resident a year to come learn from them. And I felt like I, I was so deflated. I'm like, I screwed it up. I, I'm not getting this. They don't, they don't want somebody so targeted and specialized. Maybe they want work, somebody that wants to work for them. Funny enough, after the, I get the response from one of the clinicians saying, well, maybe that'll happen in five years, not in one year. And whatever happens, I hear back from them. They choose me. And the way I found out was really funny. So I go into the, into work one day, Tim Tyler pulls me into his office and he says, Dave, you're no longer wor working here. 
I thought I was getting fired. I was behind on some notes and documentation. So I was like, oh, that's it. First year, first year and a half as a PT, and I already screwed it up. And he tells me, Dave, you're going to be working at HSS. And by the way, why didn't you tell me, Dave? Because I would have given the word for you. And by the way, I did. So I take a sigh of relief. I'm like, oh. So you find out from your boss you're getting your next job. Kind of awkward and, and interesting. And little backstory there. I broke up with my ex-girlfriend at the time. I was living with her in Manhattan. And I moved back home to where I grew up. I was living in my mother's basement and I was creating an app actually called video hab that year. That was like, and Tim invested in me. So I was really nervous because Tim gave me money to invest in this app. And now I'm going to leave him to go to this residency. And the app was called video hab. Check out videohab.com, V I D E O H A B.com. Funny enough. I keep saying that, but it is, I had this idea. You're going to take your phone. You're going to video an exercise for your patient, you're going to put it on this online platform, really crazy stuff in 2012, right? The iPhone was only six years old or so. And your patients, instead of getting a printout of your home exercises, you could have it uploaded of you actually doing it. And you could track if they're doing it, all this stuff. So now 2020 COVID, everyone is creating these apps. And But I created the app. I got the money for it, but I was really intimidated. I'm like, he helped me with this, all these different things. And but it worked out and I started the residency with my intention, as you all know, working in professional baseball. And I was off to the races. So now I feel like I had some intention, no longer just in my mother's basement, creating some apps, living away, working and seeing a lot of patients. Although I had a great experience, made some good money when I was working in Westchester for you know just getting out of PT school. It felt great to finally be able to afford all my bills and everything. And... I was getting an amazing experience. I was in the operating room with these doctors I was telling you about, and I was on the field finally, Merchant Marine Academy, Division Three Athletics, but service branch. So really um, ambitious students that were looking to do big things and around them and their training staff and pulling all these pieces I was missing from Albany days and all that stuff that I didn't have that specialized experience. Finally, I'm getting taken under everyone's wing. Here it comes heavy hitters all over the place. HSS is over on the Upper East Side, 71st in York. And I loved it. Amazing experience. Any clinicians out there or, or PT students or any students out there that are looking for specialized experience, go for it. Give up a salary for it. Give up your time for it. It is worth it. And so for me, I was getting all this great stuff. Now, it wasn't baseball specific, remember, but the HSS, they take care of the Mets, they take care of the New York Rangers, they take care of the New York Giants. So I was getting all these different pieces of experience. And one of the clinicians out there, so John Cavanaugh, my director of, of the program, shout out to John, he accepted me in there, so grateful. And one of the therapists, Mickey Levinston, who unfortunately passed away about a month ago, was the New York Mets consultant for rehabilitation. So he would drive over there from HSS to City Field and he would help with the athletes rehab, the Mets rehab. And I was fortunate enough to be mentored by Mickey. And every day, you know, almost every day we would try and find out what kind of experience I can get to get me to go to the Mets with him for a day at least. And no resident yet was taken to City Field to learn and observe and shadow him and see what he would do with the players. So we kept on putting it out there, intention, right? Asking 
simply asking. And actually, John went to bat for me. He said, Mickey, Dave would love to be there. He's really ambitious. What can we do to get him there? And Mickey had a lot of people breathing down his back in terms of the Mets staff because he had to answer to their front office and make sure that he wasn't stepping on any toes because that's obviously a very prestigious role he had. And so six months go by in the residency and Mickey comes to John and says, I just got word from the front office that we can bring a resident. Dave is going to be able to go to City Field. So we talk about Rudy moments, as I was saying earlier, the movie Rudy, this was like the ultimate one. John says, Dave, I got news. You're going to go to City Field. So this was an unbelievable experience for me. We're leaving one day in the clinic. Mickey packs up. We leave and he drives out to City Field with me out of the city. And I'm like, I have goosebumps. I'm like, this is unbelievable. So anybody that knows New York Mets, one of their trainers for a long time was Ray Ramirez. And Ray's claim to fame was actually he would wear the baseball pants and not a lot of trainers would actually wear the uniform. So Ray comes out there, he, he brings me in and he's bringing me into the training room. So now I'm walking in there with Mickey and Ray Ramirez and I'm running into people like David Wright and David Wright is brushing up to, against me. And, you know, I was a big, you know, I was a little starstruck. I'll be honest, right? That was my first professional athlete that uh, I was getting really that, I, I rehabbed a few, but this was big time, right? David Wright was a famous Met. And I'll never forget, he said to me, Dave, make sure Mickey shows you how to plug in the stim machine. Because the joke is, I guess Mickey once he was busy with players and he forgot to plug in the stim machine for David Wright. And, uh, and, and it was really endearing because David really respected Mickey. And it goes to show the effort Mickey put forth of making sure that they had good rehab. And so here I am on the field, City, or Chase, uh, City Field at the time. And we call it, I'm behind the turtle for batting practice. It's, I guess, shaped like a turtle. So that's like a cage to catch the balls behind them while they're taking batting practice before a game. So I'm standing there and a nice summer day. And, you know, you hear the crack of the bat and here we have David Wright and Terry Collins, their manager. I'm like, am I really standing next to these people? And then back in the training room and being around all that. So I finally got to see, I was so close. I knew that it could happen. So going back to the residency, as I was finishing up the last six months of it, I knew that I was so close. I had to put everything I could on the block and really put myself out there. And one of my mentors, who such a special therapist, and I went up to Pete Dreyevich one day, world-renowned therapist, works with Greg Norman, used to work with Greg Norman, one of the top golfers, PGA Tour golfers, and all these greats. And I asked Pete, I said, Pete, what can I do to work in baseball? And he gave me like a look pretty much like, you know, he was thinking about it. He didn't want to give me a quick answer, just like that professor I had in PT school. And he says, all right, Dave, I'm going to keep my eyes and ears open for you. So one day he comes up to me and says, hey, the St. Louis Cardinals have a job opening. You should apply. And at the time I'm like, oh, Pete's going to connect me, get me the job, no questions asked. And so I apply and I'll never forget I have a red-eye flight overnight to San Diego after working at HSS. I get my, I buy my red, well, I should first say that I, I apply to the Cardinals. I get the interview. I get a phone interview with Greg Houck, the athletic trainer with the Cardinals, the head athletic trainer at the time. And I, 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 had, I couldn't believe it. Like that was one of the biggest deals for me. And here I am. 
So I get flown over to San Diego, the winter meetings in 2014, and I'm getting my red tie, making sure that I'm showing the right team colors as I go on the interview, do my research, figure out when they won the last World Series, get the generic stuff. And just a little note to all the listeners, do your research, find out the degrees of separation, get the team colors, maybe in whatever you're wearing. But beyond that, make sure you get an idea of what the team philosophy is or the corporate philosophy is. Figure out what they like to hear, because then you can tie that into your story. So I do a little of that. I was just, you know, I didn't know everything I knew now. So I go on the interview and the interview went, I guess, good enough. Uh, at the time, I thought that Pedrevich was hooking me up with the job. Little did I know, I just applied. I had the right resume, the right story, and dialing it back to the, the interviewer for the HSS residency who said, ah, maybe they'll happen in five years. It was all coming together. And so I interviewed, I flew back. I worked the same day. I didn't get any sleep. So I had that red eye back and forth. The winter meetings, they all come together in baseball in the off season. So it was towards the end of my residency. And after the residency, I didn't even know what I was going to do. So everything at the 25th hour in my life always seems to just come together. Crazy enough. And I have to remind myself of that funny enough. And I'm in Lake Placid, upstate New York, Olympic Training Center. They have the bobsled event. Probably familiar with bobsledding from the movie Cool Runnings. Shout out to the 90s movie. But it's a sport and there's some phenomenal athletes. I actually had one of the bobsledders that I met there, Nick Cunningham, three-time Olympian, come onto my podcast, Injured to Elite, which is now we're all together here. I Health Radio, Injured to Elite. Check it out. You can just Google me, Injured to Elite. Check me out at drdavidmeyer.com. But I'm there in Lake Placid, and I get the call from Gary LaRock that this is how it went. I'll just tell you. Hey, Dave, we'd like to you know, offer you the job of the St. Louis Cardinals as medical and rehab coordinator based out of Jupiter, Florida, their spring training facility. And I was so ecstatic. I'm here in the mountains on a bobsled track, and I'm like, okay, great. And he's like, well, does that mean you're taking the job? And I say, yes, I'm taking the job. And I guess he was surprised as a business guy. Gary LaRock was the director of player development there. He's used to business, you know, sports contracts and things and negotiations. I didn't negotiate, lost my opportunity to do that. Note to all you listeners, make sure you, you, you remind yourself that you might be able to negotiate a little bit, but I didn't care. It wasn't about the money. This was my dream. My father looking down on me and looking back nine years before the St. Louis Cardinals playing the New York Mets in the NLCS my father telling me the Mets aren't going to be the same for quite some time. And the Cardinals, the team that beat them, now hired me. And so back then, I threw my dorm room chair when the Cardinals beat the Mets. You know, Yadier Molina, their catcher, and they struck out Carlos Beltran, a three-pitch sequence. I'll never forget that. And Adam Wainwright was pitching. And now... I'm working for the Cardinals in 2015. I got the job. I accepted the job, spoiler alert. And there I am in Jupiter, Florida, in so Southern Florida, overseeing their entire medical and rehab program. And, get, and, and now we have Yadier Molina coming in every day in front of me, and I'm meeting him. And I'm like, man, he's a nice guy. I guess I shouldn't hate him so much as a med killer. And I told him the story of how I threw my dorm room chair across and he thought that was funny. And it was cathartic for me telling him that story and, oh man, the emotion that was there. But then I was sitting there every day, not knowing exactly 
what was to come. This was January, 2015, before things got going. And I was told by the farm director, my boss now, I'll never forget, he took me to Burger Bar in Florida and he said, Dave, we're going to expand your job duties. And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but what he meant and the way I describe it is I became the lunch attendant, the bus driver, the school principal, the school nurse, the gym teacher, all the above as the medical and rehab coordinator. So what does that mean that I was that, that title? I had to oversee all the injuries in the minor league system and remember, in a minor league team or a full organization, there's over three, 400 players from the academies in Latin America to the several teams they have across the country to their major league club. And then when the major league players were on rehab assignments or there in spring training, I would help with their rehab and they would come and complete a rehab assignment. So a lot was on the line for me. And I was pretty new to all this. I didn't really, I, again, physical therapists don't get a ton of this training in PT school. And then even in my sports residency, I got a taste of it, but here I am doing it. So let's talk about the good side though. I'm here having a catch with professional athletes and getting to live out my, my dream. Remember, I barely got to play college baseball and now I'm having a catch with players that throw 98 miles an hour plus hundred miles. And actually, you know, Jordan Hicks was one of the players I worked with. There was 105 miles an hour. One of the first, my first years with the Cardinals, I was rehabbing him. So now speeding up a little bit, I'm working with the Cardinals, living out my dream. Here it is. And a year into it, I'm learning so much so quickly, handling throwing programs, handling the strength and conditioning, the rehab. And remember, I was a psych major, right? Psychology. And seeing how my father was so positive and how he had that psychological flexibility, we call it, or growth mindset that Carol Dweck and Angela Duckworth in the book Grit Coin. And I noticed that the players were going on one of two trajectories. Either they were rising above their injuries and going on to higher levels of success, or a lot of them were, their careers were fizzling out. And for those listeners of iHealth Radio, you saw me coming on to a, a show that I did with Hurricane, and I shared some of these things. But I noticed that there was something missing here. And so there was a specific moment. I had a player who was going through a tough time with his injury. He had a Tommy John surgery where he had the reconstruction in his elbow. And his rehab wasn't going great. And he was somebody that was destined to do, he was signed for a good amount of money, a bonus they call it, signing bonus out of junior college. But he, his rehab wasn't going great. And eventually he did transition out. He made it back to a, a, a team. And one day we come back to the facility. So there's one day I'm sitting there, I see him on the training room table, sitting cross-legged and I felt negative energy around him. I felt like he wasn't doing so great. And I consider myself an intuitive empath. I felt the energy. And instead of me taking the time to speak with him and bring him into the training room office, I felt like I was overwhelmed with everything going on around me in the training room and making sure the throwing programs were going right. And they were, I was sending players to doctors. Remember, in the sports world, you have like 15 players that can come in at the same time. So here he was, and I missed that moment. I just kind of made light of it. I made a joke a little bit, not of what he was going through, but just tried to make, lighten him up a little bit. But then six months or so go by, and I find out that uh, we come into the facility one day and we're told one of the players attempted, thank God, unsuccessfully suicide. 
And I was so mad at myself. I knew that I missed it. I knew that I, well, not that I missed it. I, I sensed it and I didn't do what I know I could have. So it was that moment. And then a few situations that occurred and I'll protect the privacy of certain players and not share some of these stories, but I knew that there was something missing and it was the mental side of rehabilitation. These athletes were going through an identity crisis. And I'm sure a lot of you out there, whether you're going through any type of injury or illness or a family member is, it challenges your identity. When you played a sport at a high level your whole life and you're injured, everything's on the line. Transitioning from sport into the real world is very difficult. Transitioning through injury is very difficult. And I realized that my psychology background, my father, what he taught me, my own, you know, being a short learning disabled athlete, what it taught me, my own perseverance, that I can equip these athletes with something outside of the physical side, the mental side. So I spent three years with the St. Louis Cardinals. In 2017, I transitioned out and I met my my now fiance, Olia. We relocated to sunny Los Angeles on our first date. We said, you know, we both li like to live in LA. And so I decided after working for the Cardinals, I wanted to better represent athletes without the bias of the team. Not that the Cardinals were specifically biased, but just because sports is a business, right? So I wanted to be just directly with the players, their agents. And I created a company called Pipeline Performance to broker and enable the medical needs of athletes. And I moved out to LA, worked for a a physical therapy clinic called ADI Rehab, where I helped to build a little bit more of a performance culture and model there, worked with more athletes, tried to get pipeline performance off the ground to the level I wanted to. Then I'm working with athlete or with general population people, going on my own personal development journey, read a book actually called The Tools by a patient that referred me to the book as my fiance was going through her uh, trajectory in her career. And wanting to go into event planning from the job she took to allow us to help us to move out to LA in recruiting. And I'll never forget my, my patient Garv, he says to me, Dave, why didn't you just let her quit? And at the time we were nervous about how we were going to afford our bills. And we read this book, the tools, which talks about these higher forces and these different tools you can use, actionable tools, because the writers were clinical psychologists. They weren't happy with the Freudian approach, the psychodynamic approach of psychology, and they wanted to give people more. So anyway, read the book, decided that we're going to tap into this higher forces, these higher forces of overcoming fear and using gratitude and gratefulness and all these things. And sure enough, my fiance quit on a Wednesday and she found her dream job on a Friday in LA. And we su supported one another there. And I realized that our own personal development was taking off and I was meditating daily. My mentor, John Denny, who I didn't, I'll share much more about in future episodes. He turned me on to the harmony exercise. If you're looking for a guided meditation, it's a free guided meditation at theharmonyexercise.com, And it changed my life. I'll never forget a phone call. I call, I said, John, I need, you know, I, I want to get my career going, my business going. I'm on the good path now, but I want to really expedite it. And he goes, well, are you meditating, Dave? In his stern voice, John Denny, uh, he's a performance coach. He's worked with amazing, great people. Laird Hamilton, a big wave surfer that a lot of people know on the West Coast and even on the East Coast and in Hawaii. And he's worked with all these great people that have to tap into mental performance to overcome fear and to perform at their best. And 
So I started practicing the harmony exercise, which goes through these different principles. So it's a little different than just relaxation. It's really using specific affirmations and helping to tap into your belief system. And I started working on that. And then I had the aha. This is what I need to give the athletes and the patients. And so now I started talking to my patients differently. I started to talk to them about their thinking and about their thoughts. And at the same time, I was getting more into virtual channels and building my virtual presence. And I thought that was going to be the future. Like I said, I built an app in 2012 called Video Hab. And then I started doing webinars, started building my Instagram up. And in 20, 2018, 2019, I started thinking about this idea of writing a book, Injured to Elite, which is basically a guide to empowering yourself to transform your life after injury. You could find it on Amazon. Just type in Injured to Elite. My website, drdavidmeyer.com. You can Google me, David Meyer, physical therapist, Injured to Elite, all that good stuff. Instagram, Dave M. Meyer. That is D-A-V-E-M-M-E-Y-E-R. So the idea, the idea behind the book was simple. I was challenged by a patient of mine, another patient, another story. I have a lot of those. You'll learn. I was challenged by my patient and say, hey, you know, you have a lot to say. I wonder if you could write a book. And I said, well, I would love to write a book actually. And I'm going to do that. And he's like, well, I don't know if you can, but I think you, I think you can, but I don't know if you're going to do it. And the short man complex and David Meyer got, got woken up. And I decided right after that, I was going to brainstorm the topic, brainstorm the different chapters, the whole thing. Sure enough, as I Started doing that. My fiance and I, we decided LA wasn't for us. We were going to relocate to New York right before COVID in January, 2020. I start writing the book in the fall, winter of 2019. And then just about, I guess, over a three, six month period, I wrote Injured to Elite. And it's basically broken down into three sections. The first section of Injured to Elite is all about the mind. The second section is all about the body. And then the third section is higher purpose. How do you utilize an injury, time of injury or illness? Or it doesn't have to be a physical injury. It could be a mental injury. It could be emotional. It could be a, a relationship issue. It could be something to do with just your lack of performance in your field. How can you use that to better your life? And really proud of it. It it was written. I got it published. Injured to Elite. I, pro I proved Oleg wrong. He actually edited the book for me. I brought him into the mix. And as I relocated back to New York before COVID, I decided I was going to go fully into this whole mental model of rehabilitation and empower everybody out there that are going on their journey. And then furthermore, coaching and empowering students and developing professionals to live the life they want. Because I found this. I've done some recent webinars. I hosted one called How to Get Your Dream Job in Sports, How My PT Career Took Flight with the St. Louis Cardinals. I had over 1,300 attendees. And what I learned was one of the biggest things that people lack is confidence. Sounds cliche. It sounds like you know common knowledge, which it is. But what I learned working with these billionaires that were flying on jets as their concierge physical therapists and these athletes and all these people, what I realized was, they were not fundamentally different than us, but they had more confidence. They believed in themselves. So now I decided through COVID, I was going to coach others any way I can, clients that are looking to become their best version of themselves as clinicians, work in professional sports, become physicians, become 
physical therapists, become nurses, become chiropractors, become entrepreneurs in healthcare and around it. And I met Hurricane coming on his show as I was reaching out, spreading the word about my book. And you might've listened to our episode previously. And so this platform here, as I wrap up and bring you up to speed, as we only have a few more minutes, iHealth Radio and the David Meyer uh, show and the Injured Tool Elite show here is going to be a time when I talk to, talk to you about stories of those that have persevered through injury. I talk to you about how you can build the career you want in the field of sports performance, healthcare, and even outside using the same strategies. Because let's face it, the recipe is the same for different disciplines. There's just some, some different idiosyncrasies, right? So I'm going to bring on people in the Injury to Elite Network that I've built my community and share their all different stories. And I'm really excited. I want to shout out to Hurricane and really thank him for this opportunity. This is going to go stream on different channels on the Facebook group for iHealth Radio, the iHealth Radio podcast, the Injured to Elite podcast. Check out Instagram, Dave M. Meyer, Hurricane H, iHealth Radio. We'll be here again, wrapping up on Tuesdays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Thursdays, Eastern uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we're going to be live. It's going to be fun. We're going to get guests on. We're going to bring a lot of experts on here in the health and wellness field. All For me, the theme is, of course, mental performance, how that can impact your health, how it can impact your rehab. And thank you all. We're going to... Go, we're going to come off the air now. So I want to thank everybody again for listening and we'll talk soon.